Shulchan Aracharav, we are in Simon Kuf Yud Gimel. We begin Halacha Zayin, section 113. Today we begin to learn the seventh Halacha. Amespal Levo Kenegdi Nachri Ushasi Vaedev Biyadai Vigil Lamakam Shashoichin Bai Laishchaf Apishalibai Lashamayim. Let us, let's say a person is davening, is praying, and a non Jew approaches him with a Shasi Vaedev, a warp. And a wolf. And that is a rabbinic euphemism for a cross. So the non-Jew comes with a cross in his hand. So then one should not bow. Even when he reaches a point in prayer at which one should bow. Now this applies even when his intent is directed to Hashem in heaven. What is the reason why in this case... He should not bow because of the impression that might be created. That's called maris ha'ayin, literally what the eye sees. That it might appear that he is bowing to a false deity. And again, as you just said, even though his kavana is directed to Hashem, but due to the fact that it might look as though, God forbid, he is bowing down to this false deity, so, therefore, he should not bow, even in a place where ordinarily he sh- should bow. Now, in the parentheses, Al-Tarebbe says, Whenever a prohibition was instituted, because of the impression that might be created, it applies even in the most private of places. The words, mean the innermost chambers. So, therefore, even if this encounter with the non-Jew takes place in private, bowing is still prohibited. Even though one might assume that since the whole issue here is modest ayin that somebody might see and somebody might think that this Jew is bowing down to the false deity and in this case, he is in a private location where nobody sees. Nonetheless, the rule is Whenever there is a prohibition because of manas ayin, because of what the eye might see, what what the impression that might be made, this uh, prohibition applies even in private. Now, the imanachri pusad oyhegmain. Let's say the non-Jew is an officer or a ruler to whom people bow regardless, even without the cross in his hand. So then leniency can be taken even in a place where the encounter is visible to onlookers, as is explained in Yeridea, in Simen Kufnum, section 150. This section is not extended. For more, see the gloss of the Ramah to the Shulchan Aruch of Rav Yosef Cairo, there in section 150, Halacha 3. Okay, Halacha Ches 8. Ein lahoisif alti odav shalakadish baruchu yeser, one should not add to the adjectives used with relation to Hashem beyond the words that we say, the great, mighty, and awesome God. What is the problem with adding? For when one adds further terms and concludes his list, it appears that he has, according to his conception, covered all of God's praises. And who can declare all his praise? 
which is, this is a paraphrase of what it says in Tilim 106 in the second verse. Indeed, we would not have used even these three epithets had they not been written by Moshe in the Torah. And this is found in Deuteronomy, Devarim, the fourth book of the, of the Torah, uh, chapter 10, verse 17. So, even these praises we w- wouldn't have said if, if they were not written by Moshe in the Torah and incorporated in the prayers by the Ansheik Knesset Agdel, the men of the great assembly. One should therefore not deviate from the text laid, laid down by the sages. Now, the metaphor used in the original to describe the prayers as worded by the sages is that means the coin minted by the sages, as in the English idiom, to coin a phrase. And this metaphor suggests that their wording enjoys the ready acceptability of hard currency. So therefore, we should stick to the adjectives used to describe Hashem, HaKel, HaGadol, HaGibar, VeHanoida. Tomorrow, Mitz Hashem, we will explain that this applies exclusively to as to uh, the permissibility of adding one's own uh, praises during Tachnun, we will discuss that in Mitzvah Shem tomorrow.